All right. Well, good morning. My name is Eric Montoya. If you don't know me, Pastor the Grove, and we're thrilled you're here. If this is your first time, we want to say welcome. Thanks for coming and being uh, with us today in church. Um, I'm excited for this series. We're in uh, week two of it. So if you missed last week, you're coming in the second part of the conversation. You can always go and catch up online uh, through our podcast or through our Facebook. And I just want to say welcome all those tuning in today through online. Thank you for listening in and watching. Uh, we're glad you're with us also. Um, we do a series. We do series throughout the year. And so the first series we did, we talked about what would it look like in January, what it looked like for 2019 if we finished strong and ended strong and were the head and not the tail. And that was a series called Head Not Tail. And uh, after, after the first series, typically we jump into a series that is more about spiritual development and growth. Um, so if you're a first time to church, maybe a long time or haven't been, you came out a great time because you're going to hear some tools and some ideas of what it would be like to, to have um, the dynamic that we need to have to become everything that God wants us to become. And so as we do different series, they, they, they really speak to different parts of our journey. And so last, last uh, month, the journey was, hey, well, let's, let's be the best we can in all these different areas of our life. Um, and then this, this journey that we're on now, this, this series, is really saying, how can we hear what God is speaking to us? In fact, one of the questions I get a lot is, how do I know what God wants me to do with my life? I'm in this situation. I have these things in front of me, these choices. How do I know what's the right choice? How can I hear God's voice? How can I hear what God wants me to do in my life? And so this series is really about that. How can we cut through the noise of culture, cut through the noise of everything that's going on, so we could pick up on what God is saying. So it's important we, we learn this dynamic because it'll help us in every area of our life. If you can hear and discern God's voice when it comes to your relationships, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to work, uh, you'll be successful far beyond you ever imagined because he's going to help you on this journey. And in fact, our, our verse that holds this whole series together is found in, in John 10. And so as we follow Jesus' lead, uh, he's comparing um, our, our ability to follow God as, as, as a, uh, the ability of a sheep to follow a shepherd. And he says this, he says, John 10, three through five, talking about himself and, and God opening the gate for him. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep, they listen to his voice. Uh, so the sheep are listening to the shepherd's voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Um, when he has done, when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him. So what he's saying, the shepherd, they opened the gate, the sheep were kept safe. Now the shepherd's going to come and lead them to go find food and water. And it says that, that they recognize the voice of the shepherd and they begin to follow him. And he leads them out and wherever he goes, they follow. This is what being a Christian is about. This is what being a Christ follower is. We're following the lead of the shepherd, who is God, who is Jesus. And so a Christ follower means uh, Christ-like, somebody who's following Christ. So he's saying, but they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So he's saying there's the ability to hear God's voice is so important because when, when you can hear God's voice, you'll follow him in every area of your life and you won't be distracted by other voices and the strangers, the, the voices of strangers. And so we need to learn this dynamic. And so last week we started this story off by saying, um, if you want to hear God's voice, it has to start with, with us. Okay, It's not that God doesn't have a speaking problem. He's, he's been speaking throughout all of history. It's not that God has a speaking problem. It's that we have a listening problem, a hearing problem. And so last week was saying, here's the first thing you need to do. If you're going to hear God's voice, you have to have the right heart. Prepare your heart. And we use a story that Jesus told a parable about a sower, a, a farmer who sowed seeds um, on, as they were, he was planting. And uh, the seed that he, that he was sowing fell on four different types of soil. And these four different types of soil we talked about represent four types of heart, the environment that we have. And so the first soil, it says the seeds fell on hard ground, and that represented a hard heart, and nothing was produced. And each of these different soils had different results. Uh, the second one was an Im immature heart, and it was a shallow soil with rocks, and the roots couldn't grow down deep. And so it shot up quickly because there was a lot of excitement. 
but, ascent, but eventually it, the, the sun came out and the challenges of life made it, made it give up and quit and die. Uh, the third soil was a distract, distracted heart. And this was the soil that the weeds grew up. And because of all the worries of the world and all the different distractions, it missed out on, on producing life. In fact, the, the weeds choked out its ability to produce good fruit. And the fourth type of soil, this was the good soil. And it represented a good heart, a noble heart. And this would be a prepared heart. Um, this kind of soil is somebody who is ready to receive whatever God says. And that when that seed compared to the word of God is planted, it begins to produce something in our lives. And so we said, God, uh, we have a hearing problem, listening problem. Not, it's not a speaking problem that God has. Um, and we said this, that when it comes to the hard heart, we can't receive the new. We can't have new in our life until we let go of the old. That's repentance. That, that's what it takes to have, to have a soft heart saying, God, forgive me. Uh, the second part we said is maturity comes when we be, stop making excuses about what, um, about what we can't do and start doing what we can, start changing things that we can. And that's where we begin to mature. And then the third thing we said is uh, to hear God's voice, we must turn down the world's volume. We can't be distracted by all the things. And they're not necessarily bad things. It's just God's voice is more important. We have to make it a priority. And we said that God's voice is clearest in, the, in a prepared environment. So one of the reasons Sundays are so effective is because as we come to church on a Sunday morning, uh, right, we're, essentially we're saying, I, I want to start my week off by putting God first. But we essentially come saying, I, I'm expecting to hear something. And the more expectant you are to receive something and do something with it and leave, uh, when you leave, you'll, you'll, you'll actually get more out of the service. As opposed to maybe, maybe the first type of soil is a hard heart. You're coming saying, man, I'm coming just because I have to. I really don't want, I already made up my mind, I know what I'm doing this week. doesn't matter what God asks me to do, I'm not going to do it. That would be a hard heart. You're not going to get much out of the service. So it's really up to us saying, what kind of heart are we going to have when we approach God, when we read the Bible, when we come to church, uh, when we pray? Because uh, the type of heart is so, so important. So we need to have a, a prepared heart uh, to be able to prepare. So we said repent, mature, and then learn to refocus and focus on what God has. And so if we're going to cut through the noise so that we can hear what God is saying, we need to learn some different uh, dynamics and techniques and, and, and ideas of what, what's there. Um, so I heard a story about uh, an older gentleman who began to have some, some hearing issues, and he couldn't, he, he began to to have some, some difficulties hearing. So he went to the doctor and said, Doctor, I'm, I'm losing my hearing. Can you help me? So the doctor says, Yes, I have some hearing aids. They did some tests. They said, I think these will work for you, and um, you should be able to hear really good after this. And so he, he, he let him go home and said, Come back in a month. Let me know how things are going. So the man takes him home and begins to, um, uh, to hear better. And so after a month, he comes back, and the, the elder gentleman comes back to the doctor. He says, um, The doctor does some tests and says, Your, your hearing is perfect. You're back to 100%. And he says, um, I bet your family uh, must be really, uh, really pleased that you can hear again. And, and the gentleman says, oh, I haven't told my family yet. I just sit around and I listen to everything they say. Uh, I've changed my will three times. The words we speak are so important. And the words God speaks are so, even so much more important than those. Now, see, the words, the Bible calls them to compare to seeds, right? It's a word, it holds potential for something great. Or it holds potential for something harmful. It holds potential for more fruit. Or it holds potential for weeds and, and thorns and, and difficulties in our lives. Um, it's up to us to say, okay, these words are going to be coming. We have voices all around us. What are they saying? Uh, it's up to us to say, how can we cut through the noise so we can hear what God is saying? Because his voice is the most important voice we can listen to. Uh, so we carry that potential. And so those that look down the road in life and they say, all right, I want to make choices that are going to help me become everything that God wants me to become. Um, will begin to listen to what he says and act accordingly so they can have great results down the road. They'll produce something good. 
so today, uh, we talked last week about our job. Is, is have, it starts with the heart. It starts with us. Right? If we're going to hear God's voice, we have to begin to prepare our hearts. Uh, well, today I want to talk about why God wants to speak in the first place. So why, what is the purpose behind God speaking? If he's been speaking throughout all the generations and ages of uh, history, how can, what, is, what is the purpose of those? So there's a few different things that we see in the scriptures that, that points to us saying, when God speaks, this is what he's trying to accomplish. The first thing is this. God speaks to facilitate friendship. God speaks to facilitate friendship. Here's the difference between what, what Christianity is and any every other religion. Christianity is not it's not a religion. It's a it's God just started as a relationship. Religion is all about what you do. Um, relationship is all about what's already been done and what God has for you and has for me. So God Christianity is, is saying I want to have a relationship with God. It's about a friendship with God. And throughout the Bible, that's that was God's heart. It wasn't his heart was not to give us a whole bunch of, uh, of th- hoops to jump through. It was rather to have a relationship with him that we would trust him. And the reason all of the laws came was because people's hearts were hard. And he had to say, okay, if you're going to be stubborn, this is what you can't do. This is what's going to happen. And rather than listening to his voice and trusting him, Adam and Eve did their own thing. And they broke that. They, they lost that. They hurt that relationship. But he speaks to facilitate that relationship with him, a friendship with him. In fact, Exodus 33:11 says this, that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Uh, don't don't run by that too fast. God would speak to Moses face to face. What is he saying? He had a personal relationship with God where he can hear his voice. You know, when you're face to face with somebody, you can you can pick up on what they're saying pretty easily. You hear their voice and you know what to do with it. Um, God is wanting that relationship with each of us. Like he wants to speak to you. It's not a speaking problem or it's a hearing problem. It's a listening problem that we have. And so God is trying to speak. So he, he speaks to facilitate friendship and he also speaks to give us guidance. This is a great thing. Because in life, we're always facing different challenges that come our way. We're facing different choices that we have to make. And in the middle of that, God wants to actually guide us to have the best life we could possibly have. His heart is to guide us. And in fact, over and over, the scriptures talk about paths and following his way. And, and, the, and the, the, the path that we're on is going to lead somewhere. And God is trying to lead us on this journey. Rome, um, Proverbs 3, 6 says this. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track so god is speaking to give us guidance if you listen he'll keep you on track he'll help you to accomplish more in your life than you could ever imagine or dream of if you'll if you'll keep on track so he wants to facilitate friendship he wants to give guidance but he also speaks to provide us perspective and this is important right because in life a lot of times our perspective is 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 only um what we can see in front of us it's only what we're uh, aware of at the moment and a lot of times in life, when there's pain, when there's difficulties, we only focus on the immediate and what is uh, in front of us at the moment. But God is, he sees something much bigger than that. Uh, see, not everything that you are seeing is what's going on. That's not, everything that, that you can physically see is not the whole story. You know, we believe there's more to it. Uh, there's more than just the natural. There's the supernatural. Um, and there's the eternal perspective. And that's what God has. He's saying, I want to show you things that are beyond even what you can see. In fact, Second Corinthians uh, five seven, Paul says that we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is believing something even when you can't see it. It's a substance of something that we're hoping for, that it's not yet there, but we know it's going to be. We're believing for those good results. We're, we're expecting something better to come out. That's what faith is. Sight is just by saying, I'm only going to follow what I see. I'm only going to do with what comes in front of me. And so um, if, if we will put listening ahead of looking, we will begin to hear God's voice, what he has for us. See, it's not just what we see, but it's, it's what God sees. And that's why listening is so important because sometimes we're going to see in front of us it's going to feel like nothing is working. And God will whisper and say, no, no, don't give up. 
I know it's hard right now, but there's some better things. Do these things. Begin to keep keep believing something great's going to come. In fact, it's kind of like a story I heard of um, the Wisconsin Badgers, a football team in Wisconsin. They 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 were playing, um, and as they're playing, they're beating beat really bad, and, and the team was losing horribly. And so the fans in the stand, as 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 the team is playing, the fans in the stand. Uh, um, kept kept making these these cheers and, and the team was like we're losing why are they cheering well it turns out that the milwaukee brewers the baseball team uh, was playing a game at the exact same time as the badgers and as they were playing at the same time the fans since the game was going horrible they put the earbuds in they're listening to the baseball game so every time the, the brewers would have a, a, a score a home run a hit the fans would cheer and the football team was like what why this is crazy i don't understand what's going on and and they would cheer because they were listening to the game that was going on um, every time they scored. And, and this, is, this is the picture of what I'm talking about. So what you're looking at might be defeat, but what you're listening to is victory. And those fans in that stadium, they were looking at defeat, and that team was doing horrible, but they were listening to something else that was taking place that was victory. This is what it means to follow Christ. This is what it means to follow God. God, even that in the middle of what I'm facing right now, things aren't working out the way I want. I'm going to trust you for something better. And I'm going to trust you. You'll get me through this. You'll get me beyond this. You'll get me to something that's down the road. And, and our job is to respond and say, God, I'm going, to, I'm going to listen to your voice more and trust you more than what I see. Because we live by faith, not by just sight. We trust God for something better. So he speaks to facilitate friendship. He speaks to give us guidance. He speaks to provide us perspective. And then he speaks to produce results. God wants to do something in our lives. His, his words that he speaks to us, he wants to, give us some, wants to do something in us to, so that we can produce more of our, that's a story last week we read about, right? Um, in fact, we look at the scriptures. One of the first relationships that we see in the Bible where God is looking for somebody to, to go on this journey with him is, is, is Abraham, the father of many faiths. And he says, he says Abraham, I want, you to, I want you to trust me and follow my lead. In fact, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so much. I'm going to give you a lot of blessings. But just know this, I'm blessing you so you can be a blessing. The blessing was not just for Abraham, it was for the world. And God is always looking to produce something in us when he speaks and leads us on this journey. Um, we see over and over the different kinds of individuals God used. He, he raises up Moses as a prophet, and he gives Moses the voice. Why? So Moses' life could be used to free other people. Whenever God gives us something, it's never just for ourselves. It's always for something more. Like he wants us to use our successes, our blessings to help others on this journey. Like when he blesses you and helps you have a healthy marriage, it's not just so you have a healthy marriage. It's so you can train your kids to have healthy marriages, but then you can also help other people that don't have healthy marriages get healthy marriages. That's what, it, that's what, what is the power of a seed. If you think of an, a single apple seed, if I got an apple here and cut it out and I said, here's one apple, what is the potential of this seed? You'd say, well, you plant it and you get another tree. But is that all the potential it has? Well, no, because that tree is going to grow up and produce other apples that have a lot of times, you know, 30, 40, 50 seeds in it. Um, and then that apple then can fall to the ground and those seeds can spread and that those could turn into another 50 trees and the other apples fall, another 50. Can, so over time, that one seed doesn't just become one tree. It actually can become hundreds, thousands and millions of trees and even millions of apples with more apple seeds in it. That's the potential of a seed. So when God is saying, my word is like a seed, he's saying, I want to do something in your life so it can produce something good, but it's not just for you. Like imagine what else will be produced out of your life when you say yes to God. See, the, the, the gift of a pastor, God raises up pastors and leaders in, in, in our communities, not so they can lead people themselves, but to raise up other leaders, to raise up other people. God gives the gift of, to the prophet to hear God's voice, not just so the prophet could hear God's voice and speak it to others. Rather, he could train up other people to hear God's voice also. It's replication. 
In fact, here's the truth. You will reproduce who you are. Who you are will be reproduced in somebody else, in your kids, in, your, in the workforce, in other people in your marriage. You will reproduce. It's not a question of, of will or will you reproduce. It's, it's what kind of person are you going to reproduce. And, and when we reproduce, sometimes we reproduce an extreme of ourselves. Sometimes we reproduce maybe a little bit weaker version of ourselves, but it's always a version of ourselves. And so when God, his word is planted in our life, he's wanting us to produce something good. And so in your life, depending on what you listen to and what influences you have, you'll, you'll reproduce others exactly like you. So the question is, what are those others going to look like? And then they're going to pass it on. They're going to pass it on. What if our church was the, would be the kind of church that says, God, we want to be the kind of people that we can say, like Paul, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. See, Paul was so confident in the journey he was on that he was saying, hey, guys, if, you, if you forget, everything else fails, just, just pay attention to what's happening here because I want you to reproduce what I'm doing. And Paul's whole ministry was that, reproducing leaders so they can reproduce more leaders. God's heart is for us to be a blessing to others. In fact, Matthew uh, thirteen twenty three. when it comes to results, this is another version of the parable of the sower that we, we read Luke last week. Uh, this version says this, the, the, the seed falling on a good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. So it's not just somebody who hears God what he says, but it's somebody who understands what to do with it. So God says, do something. They are understanding and they begin to act on it. This is the one who produces a crop. And notice the crop they produce, yielding 100, 60, or 30 times what is sown. What if your life was lived in such a way that you produced 100 more people like you? Would that be a good thing or would that be a bad thing on this earth? Let's be the kind of people that say that would be a good thing because I'm living in a way that's saying, God, I understand what you're saying. I'm going to reproduce more fruit. Or are you going to be the kind of person that produces weeds in your life? Uh, so facilitate friendship. He speaks to give us guidance. He speaks to provide perspective. He speaks to produce results for us to be a blessing. The scripture I, I found that you see all of these in it is Isaiah 55. Um, in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, uh, God is speaking to him. And uh, I'm going to read the whole chapter. And I would encourage you, get, read some different versions of it. It's uh, uh, God's invitation, what he's asking us when, when it comes to uh, following his lead. And what you'll see is you're going to see these four uh, different components in it. It's about relationship. It's about guidance. It's about the right perspective. And it's about producing results. Um, so Isaiah, as I read, some of the verses I read will be up on the screen in a different version, but uh, really similar. Um, Isaiah 55 says this, Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And to you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come and buy from me without money and without cost. What is he saying? What I have to give is free. You don't have to, you don't have to buy this. You don't have to earn this. It's, something, it's a gift that I give you. Uh, why spend money on what's not bread? And your labor on what's not satisfying, that does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear, give ear and come to me. Hear me, that your soul may live. I will make you an everlasting covenant with you. Make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. So he's saying the same relationship I had with David, the same relationship I had with other people, I want to have that with you. See, I have made, made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations to you that, to you that, um, that know you not. And nations that do not know you will hasten to you and listen to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to you, our God, for he will freely pardon and then he goes on and says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. 
As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He's saying your perspective, like what you see is limited. Let me show you the bigger perspective, what's really going on. My thoughts are way more than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from the heaven and do not return without returning to the earth and make it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. Uh, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So what he's saying, in the same way as, as the, the, the snow and the rain come to produce crops, my word is like that. It's going to plant. It's going to do something. Um, I'll send it out. It'll, it'll always produce fruit. It will always accomplish what I want it to. It will always prosper everywhere I send it. He said, my word will not return void. Like when, when, when somebody accepts it and receives it and acts on it, it will produce something amazing. It will be really good. Um, he says, you'll go out in joy, be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead, the thorn bush will grow in the pine tree, and instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. There will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. So what he's saying, my promise to you is if you follow and listen, you'll have some great results in your life. It, it's about um, um, responding the way I want you to respond and producing something good. But here's the thing. We must respond. When God speaks, we must respond. If we don't, we miss out on what the next things God's going to say. Uh, in Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, uh, the series that we spent the whole month in January through going through, he says, now it shall be if you diligently listen, all right? If you're, if you're really seeking God, saying, God, I want to hear you. And then you obey the voice of the Lord, your God. You'll have all these results. You'll have the blessings that come with it. But if you do the opposite, if you ignore God and you disobey him, you'll have the, the results that come with that. The choice is us. But first, we have to diligent listen, and then we have to make a choice in our heart to respond to what he says. We're going to be obedient. So you will be the head, not the tail, if you obey what God is saying. That's what this series is about. So we learn about what is, what's the results. Now, how do we get those results? While well, you listen and you obey. And so this whole series is going to teach about listening. But our hearts have to be, if we know why God is speaking, we have to de- decide in our heart that we're going to do something with whatever he speaks to us. Um, so choose to be the head, not the tail, as you, when you obey what God is saying. Um, this week I was preparing, I learned a principle. I think it's going to be very helpful for us. It's called the dimmer switch principle. Anybody have a dimmer switch in your house? Maybe a slider or a little knob, right? Uh, so it's kind of like that. This dimmer, you have the control of more light or less light. You, know, you turn the button on, it's more light or less light. Well, the dimmer switch principle has a profound impact on our spiritual life for both the good and the bad. And it also bleeds into our other, every other area of our life. And so this principle, this is why, why it, it would seem like um, why some spiritual insights, they come in different spurts, right? Like we have, man, I hear what God is saying, and then I don't hear God for a while. And I hear what God is saying, I don't. Uh, maybe it's because how often we actually turn our ear to God, that's part of it. Uh, but this is the dimmer switch principle. Uh, this is why it seems sometimes if God's not speaking, like, man, I, I'm just not hearing God. I'm glad he's speaking to you, but he doesn't speak to me. I don't hear God. Dimmer principle is going to kind of talk about that um so here's the dimmer switch principle when we respond to the light we already have god gives us more and when we don't he takes the light away the light that we already have so it's, it's almost like as as if this, this this light in our life as we respond to god there's more and more of light and more and more of his truth that illuminate our life so we can see clearly um, and, the, and the more that we ignore and don't listen to him it's as if we turn the switch down and we choose to live in darkness so here's how it works. It's not, it's not that we just stop growing when we ignore God. It's that, that we actually lose the light that we once had. See, if you read the first chapter of Romans, and you begin to read through chapter 1 of Romans, um, it's, a, it's, it's a picture of a downward spiral 
of a culture that turns its back on God. So it says when, when somebody turns their back on God, and, and it, it even says at one point, they reject the truth that they knew. So they intentionally said, no, God, I don't want your way. I'm going to do my own way. And it's a downward spiral of, that leads to greater depravity. It's as if the dimmer switch gets turned down. The positive is that when we respond to the little truth that God gives and the light that he's already given us, that switch begins to be turned up more, and we have more insight and understanding into what God is doing. And the choice is us, is ours. Um, and the thing is, the longer that we walk in the obedience that God asks us to, the clearer the spiritual picture will be before, before us becomes. So the more that you walk in that obedience, God asks you to do one thing, you do it. And then he asks you to do another thing. It's as if that light in your life begins to get turned up more and more and more because you're responding in a way that says, God, illuminate what you want. But the choice is ours, or you ignore it, and you say, I'm going to do my own thing, you begin to turn it down. In fact, in Proverbs, there's a verse uh, that, that Solomon says that the path of the righteous, right? So there's this path that we're on, the righteous person. It's like the first gleam of dawn. Like this person is walking on the right path. It's like the sun has just come up, and they begin to see a little more clearly. The light is starting to come on. And it says it shines ever brighter until it's the full light of day. When you're on the path of righteousness following God, it says if you're walking in the day, you can see everything. But not the way of the wicked. It's like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Like tripping over things is because they've chosen to walk their own path. They've gone their own way, and the light in their life has become darkness. Um, and, it's, it's, and here's what's great about the dimmer switch principle. Um, it doesn't matter how long you've been decided to follow Christ, a day, two days, a week, two years, ten years, right? It's, it's, it's not about what you don't know. God is not concerned about all the things you don't know. He's only concerned about the things that you do know and if you're doing anything with it. So if you're, if you're new at this at the faith journey of following Christ, he's only asking you to do what you, what you know you should be doing. And he's not asking you more than that. He's saying, just do this, and when you're faithful in that, I'm going to give you the next thing. See, God, God doesn't break the rules like, like playing chess with or a game with God. He, his move and then our move and then his move and our move. And a lot of times what happens is we say, God, help me on this journey. He says, okay, here's the move you make. And then we don't make the move. And then we're like, God, come on, do, do something. Help me out. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to cheat. The, I, you made, I told you what to do and you're not doing it. So it's your move. And once you make your move, I'll lead you to the next step of the journey. And God is leading us on the journey saying, I will help you to become everything you, I want you to become. Uh, just to resp- just respond to the light that I've already given you, and in time the rest will come. So depth and maturity is important, but that comes in time. And and what happens is when when uh, somebody's been coming to church or following Christ for a long time, but their hearts become a little hard towards God, and they know a lot, but they don't do a lot with what they have. They actually become pretty miserable people to be around. This is why Jesus had such a problem with the Pharisees of his day. They knew everything, but they were like, in his words, unwilling to lift a finger to help even the poor. Why? Because it was about importance. It was about knowledge. It was about everything they had, but there was no action behind it. And God says, you're missing the point. If you're only wanting to know more about me so you can know more and do nothing, you're missing everything this is about. Relationships are all about give and take. It's about doing what's in front of us now. And a lot of us in our relationship with God and our relationship with others, the reason we keep struggling is because we don't do what's right. We do what we want. We don't do what's going to change things. And if you want to mature, you want to see better results, it's you saying, yes, I'm going to follow you in whatever you say to do. Um, you, you, turn, you turn this one light on, I'm going to respond, and the lights become more on. You want a better marriage? Say yes to the one thing he's got asking you right now. And then begin to say yes to the next thing. And if you don't know what, man, church is part of it. Reading the Bible is part of it. Small groups is part of that. One, uh, relationships with others is a 
a part of that. If you're struggling in marriage, and man, we can help point you to people that know good about marriage. We have a financial group going on. If you struggle with finances, find others that can help begin to turn the light on for you so you can say, all right, this is what I need to do. The challenge is we all want to do our own thing, so we just turn the lights off, ignore everything else, and just keep doing our own thing. And then we stumble, and we wonder why we're stumbling. So I know some of you in this room, you're saying, well, that's great for you, Eric. Like, like you, you've been doing this for a while. You've been following Christ, and man, it must be easy for you. No, it's, it, it takes work still. Um, but, but here's the thing I'm going to help you understand. Um, hearing God's voice, you, you don't hear it when you reach a certain level of maturity. Like, like it's available to you now today. Like his voice, if you want it, he will speak to you if you're willing to, um, to, to listen to hear, but then if you're willing to do the next thing. In fact, there's a story in the Bible that I'm going to read that's going to illustrate this. All right? Uh, there's a lady named Hannah in the Old Testament. It's found in the, in, in the book of Samuel. Um, she can't have kids, and so she's barren, and she comes to the temple, and she prays, and she's crying so bad um, that, and, and praying so, so passionately that the priest, Eli, he thinks that she's drunk. And he says, hey, lady, you're drunk. Go home. Come back when you're not drunk, and maybe God will hear your prayers. And she's like, no, no, I'm not drunk. I, I really want a kid, and I'm just seeking God, and she's passionate. And so Eli prays for her and says, uh, God's going to give you a kid. And she says, essentially, your prayer is, God, if you give me a child, I'll dedicate him to the Lord, which is part of why we did that today, right? It's a part of us saying, God, we, we want you've honored us with a gift. Now we want to give the gifts back to you. I want your help to raise these gifts. And so she dedicates them to the Lord. And, and as a boy, she takes him to the temple and he begins to serve in the temple. He lives there. And then God blesses her with other kids also. So Samuel, this young boy and a theologian, they, they, they suspect he's probably around 12 years old. So a preteener. Um, and he's in the temple. And this is what the story will picks up in, in chapter three of first Samuel. It says the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. So Samuel's doing the work of the priest, of the priest um, in the temple, right? So Samuel's been, he grew up in the, in the, in the church, in the temple, doing all of these services. Um, and in those, in those days, the words of the Lord was rare. There was, there was not many visions from God. So they were all kind of in that place like, God, we don't know what you're saying. And here's the problem. This is the reason why. Eli had some sons who were the priests who were doing evil things and using their positions uh, to cause more harm and, and, and do evil um, to people that came to the temple. And, and Eli knew about it and ignored it. So essentially, he was the, the hard soil. He, he knew what God was asking him to do, but he didn't do it. He ignored it. And that caused them to, to have dull ears to God. They could not hear what God was saying. And it was, it was rare. So one night, Eli whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, so he's aging, uh, was lying down in his, in, in his usual place, the lamp of God not yet go, not gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Uh, and it says this, that the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered and said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, No, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. Maybe you have kids like that, wake up in the middle of the night, like, You call me? Like, No, I didn't call you. I'm sleeping. I was in the middle of my dream right there. So he wakes up Eli and he says, No, go lay down. It's time to sleep. So again, the Lord called to Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Stop interrupting my sleep. Go back and lay down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. He's been in church. He's been working, but he had not this encounter yet. We had a relationship with God yet. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. He didn't know how to recognize God's voice. He'd been going to church, been knowing a lot of things, but he hadn't got to that point where he, there was that, that moment where he began to understand what God was trying to say. So the third time, the Lord calls to Samuel. He says, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Which at this point you're thinking, Eli's like, okay, this is, something's got to change here. But it says that Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, 
Samuel, this is what you've got to go do. Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say this. Say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, which is in the, is a, is in the tabernacle. And he's, he's there by, the, by, by God. And, um, and the Lord, he comes and, he, and it says the Lord came and stood there. All right? Calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Let me pause there for a second. Speak, your servant is listening. What do those words mean to you? If you're the servant, then whoever's speaking is the master. And a servant always responds by saying, what do you want? I'm going to do it. You want me to take care of something? I will take care of it. So Samuel, Eli was saying to Samuel, you have to have a heart of a, of a servant. You have to be humble enough to say, whatever you're going to say, master, I'm going to respond. And it says that he said, speak, your servant's listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that, makes the, that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I want to live that kind of life. That God is doing something and I'm responding to him that it makes everybody else perk up and pay attention to what God is doing. I want our church to be that kind of church. It says, I don't know what's going on there, but I want something of that because there's something different there. The marriages in that church are working. The finances in that church are working. People that show up to their jobs, they go to that church, they're, work, they work, they're good employees. They work hard. Like their ears perk up and say, something's going on there. And God says, Samuel, I want to do something, but I'm looking for somebody who's going to listen because those fools, they're not listening. They're doing their own thing, and they're supposed to represent me, but they're not. Will you listen? And Samuel says, speak, your servant is listening. And it says this about Samuel's life later on at the end of this chapter. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. What does that mean? Everything Samuel said came true. His prophecies, they came true. The reason they came true is because he heard what God was saying, he said what God was saying, and it came true because God's word always comes true. It always produces good fruit. And all from Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, they recognized that Samuel was attested. He was Uh, He was proven to be a prophet of the Lord. He spoke for God. Why? Because he was willing to respond to whatever God asked. See, God is asking us to obey what he says. And when we don't obey, he's not going to say any more. And a lot of times we say, God, I don't hear you. It's because he's already told us what to do, but we ignore what he said. And then we're like, God, help me. And he's like, you're not even doing what I asked you the first time. Why did I give you more advice? It's only going to weigh you down. It's only going to make it more difficult. But if you learn to follow my lead, you'll find it's a joy. It's going to produce something good. So here's my challenge for today. My challenge is this, that when, when you want to hear God, will you say to God this week, speak for your servant is listening. Speak for your servant is listening. When you open the Bible this week and you're reading a portion of the Bible, would you, would you have that, that heart of saying, God, I'm your servant, you're the master. Whatever you speak to me in this moment, I'm going to say yes to Every Sunday you come to church, would you come with that, that heart of saying, all right, God, you, would you speak to me? And your servant is listening, which means whatever you say, whatever's going to be revealed in this, in this service, that I'm going to walk out those doors and I'm going to do it this week. Not this week. I'm going to do this today. God, you ask me to do something, I'm going to say yes and I'm going to do it. And here's the good news. When you respond to what God asks, the next day you can expect that he's going to ask you something else. And the next day something else. And it's going to lead you to this, on this journey that's going to be incredible. Trust me, I mean, I've been on this journey for a while, and it's an amazing journey. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make all the problems of life go away. It just makes it fun because you know, hey, down the road, it's hard now, but things are going to get better. You know why they're going to get better? Because God says they're going to get better. Because God is speaking to me things that are going to help me become better as a parent in my marriage, in my finances. I'm going to believe God, and I'm going to do what he asked me to do, and the results are going to be phenomenal. 
And if we'll trust God, he'll do something in our lives. So be ready for, for God to speak. Stay open to what he's going to say. And then just obey. Just say yes. It's, it's like you put your yes out there, right? Um, there's, there's moments in my life where I'm, I'm saying, God, I don't know what to do, but I want you to know my answer is yes. Whatever it is that you're asking me to do, it's yes. And when I have that kind of posture, it's very easy to follow his, his lead because he's saying, all right, you're going to trust me on this journey. Just take this next step. Let's illuminate your life with a little bit of light. And then every time you say yes to God, more and more light comes on. And every time you say no to God, more and more light is taken away. And you begin to say, what is going on? So in your life, if you want to hear God, the choice is up to you. He's speaking. Now, every now and then, he won't say anything. And there's some reasons for that. We'll talk about that another day. Um, but most of the time, it's because we, our hearts are set on doing our own thing, not on doing God's thing. And he's looking for people that will say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. In Romans uh, 10, 9, it says this, that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Some of us in this room today, as I've been talking about this, you're not God's servant. You're your own person. Um, you don't serve anybody. It's all about you. And my, my invitation for you today is God wants you to change your life. He wants to change your life and help you on this journey. But it's going to take you saying, all right, I'm going to declare that Jesus is Lord, which means if Jesus is Lord, I'm not Lord. If God is God, I'm not God. And that means that I can't just do my own thing with my life. And one of the things that we love to do every single Sunday is give opportunities to people who have been doing their own thing, they've been going on their own journey, their own path, to say, God, I, I don't want to go that way anymore. I want to go your way. And the Bible says, they calls it repentance. It means that you turn from the way you've been going and you turn to God. And it says that you make him Lord of your life. This will be a, a Christ follower as a Christian is saying, I no longer say yes to everything I want. I say yes to what God wants. He's Lord. I'm servant. He's Lord. I'm not. He's the boss. I work for him. And when we, when we have that heart mentality, God always leads us on this journey that it benefits you, but also benefits a lot of people around us. Even to the difficulties, God leads us through it all. And today, some of you in this room, you need to declare that Jesus is Lord. And you need to believe that everything he's done in the past, that he wants to do in your life. That the same power that raised him from the dead after he died on that cross is available for you today. So do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service? If that's you, and you'd be uh, brave enough and strong enough and, and humble enough to say, I cannot do life without God. I have been my own boss. I've been my own leading my own way this whole time. But I need God's help. I want to follow his way. If that's you, um, I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to lead you to pray right there in your seat. But if that's you and you would say, I, I want to declare that God is Lord of my life. I want to follow his lead. Would you let me know by lifting your hand right where you're at? Right in your seat. Awesome. I see some hands. Anybody else? A few more hands gone up. Is that you? God, I declare you Lord. God, I put you in my life. put you first. Awesome. Quite a few hands went up. For you that raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's an invitation of relationship to God, saying, God, I want to follow your lead. If you're a Christ follower, would you pray with us so they're not praying alone, that raise their hands? If you, if you raise your hand today and you want to say that prayer, asking God into your life, would you say this? Say, say Father God, today I declare that I cannot do life without you. I declare that, you, that Jesus is Lord, and I want to follow his lead. I believe that you raised your son from the dead, and I have salvation because of that. So today I put my trust in you. Come into my life. Help me on this journey. I respond by saying, speak. Lord, your servant is listening. 
Whatever you say, I say yes. Lead me on this journey. Give me the strength and the grace to always say yes. Turn up your light in my life. How many hear your voice? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we celebrate all those that raised their hand today? So many of you raised your hand. I love the fact that, that we every single Sunday we have somebody that says, God, I, I want to put my trust in you. God, I want to go on this journey with you. So that's just the start of the journey.